Hi, 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 kids. It's me, Mrs. Ikbendu, and it's Children's Day today. Oh, I miss you all. I so, so, so miss you all. Okay, um, firstly, let me tell you why we are celebrating Children's Day today. Um, it's a day specifically dedicated to honor your childhood. And this is why I'm specially dedicating this podcast to you. Yes, to you, to honor your childhood. To honor your childhood, yeah, to honor your childhood. And um, I know we've been all home. And this year is a little bit different. We're trying to stay safe from a deadly virus ravaging the world. But guess what? Obstacles come into our lives to prepare us for something bigger. To make us become better. So treat them as opportunities. And you will never fail in life. So I wish to use this medium to wish you happiness today. Playfulness. Lots of fun, lots of memories. Go ahead and create them. And also to remind you that you are all stars in the making. Yeah. Each and every one of you is a shining star. And may you shine and find your talent as you shine brighter. You all are the reason why I embarked on this journey. And I've gotten so much opportunity to keep learning and keep improving on myself just to make sure you become what God has designed you to be. There are are no words. I, I really don't have enough words to express how much you mean to me. You all an astonishing gift to me and to anyone and everyone connected to IPS. And I want to use this opportunity once again to wish you a mind-blowing children's day. Make sure you have lots of fun. Go out there with your family. Make memories. Have fun, have fun, have fun. And happy Children's Day once again. And I look forward to welcoming you back to school soon. Bye and bye-bye.
God doesn't want us to live unproductive lives. He doesn't want us to live unproductive lives. He wants us to be successful in everything. Listen, never live your life according to someone's experience of life. Live your life according to what God's word says. Personalize it. All right, you ready to go? I'm going to give you the background. The background. Let's look at it. John chapter 15, St. John's Gospel, chapter 15. I want to read two, no, no, three verses. Verses 2, 5, and 8. So let's go with verse 2. St. John chapter 15, verse 2. Jesus is talking here. And it says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he take it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And by the way, in the first verse, he said, I am the vine. All right? Uh, he says, you, my father is the husbandman, that's the vine dresser. And then he tells you, you are the branches. So if you go to verse 5, you'd see that. Go to verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. All right? Okay. In verse 2, he says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. The Father takes it away. But every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it. The right word is prune. He prunes it that it may bring forth more fruit. Okay? Now, go to verse 8. Read it for me. Want to go. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. God wants us to bear much fruit. He wants us to be productive. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Fruitful in every good work. Alright, now we're going to open our theme scripture from 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 1, and from verse 5. And beside this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now, wonderful. Maybe we should read from verse 1 to verse 4. You know, this is verse 5. So we can get the context of his presentation. So can we go to verse 1? Simon Peter, 
a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Look at that. Obtained like precious faith. Obtained. They got it. How did they get it? I'll come back to that. Obtained. They either have obtained. Good. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Grace and peace be what? Multiplied unto you. By prayer and fasting? No. By crying loud to God? No. By begging and pleading? No. How? How can grace and peace be multiplied in your life? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Next verse. According as his divine power has given unto us. We didn't get it by ourselves. His power made that available to us. According as his divine power has given unto us all things. All things. Not some things. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue. This is amazing. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Look at that verse. Look at how powerful that verse is. I want you to see it. According as his divine power hath given unto us. He's not trying to do it. He's already done it. Hath given unto us. He didn't say he shall give unto us. It's not a promise. It's not a promise. He's already done it in Christ Jesus. He's already done it. Remember last week, we dealt with a verse where he said, you remember it? That we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also, in the next verse, we speak. Look at that. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. All things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue. How? How? He did it through the epignosis. Knowledge there is translated from the word epignosis. It means absolute knowledge. It comes by revelation. Absolute knowledge. It's referring to specialized knowledge that's based on relationship. That's epignosis. It's a knowledge that relates with that which is known. Very important. Through the knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue. God has not called us to shame. God has not called us to pain. God has not called us to sickness. God has not called us to reproach. God has not called us to judgment. God has called us to glory and virtue. Hallelujah. Excellence. What a life. Okay, so this is so powerful. Verse 4. Oh boy. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through loss. Now, this is just to show you how we got to verse 5. 
Okay? We obtained like precious faith. And so now in verse 5 he says, and beside this, given our diligence, given our diligence, he says, do this diligently. Add to your faith. He gave you faith. Now he tells you to add something to your faith. He gave you faith. You obtained like precious faith with the apostles. Glory to God. Okay. How did you get faith? How did it come to you? Romans chapter 10 verse 17. So then faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. I like this one. Did you notice he didn't say faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God? It says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because what if you don't, you don't hear? What if you're deaf? Hearing will come by the word. How did Jesus open the deaf ears? He put his fingers into the deaf ears. He says, be open. And they were open. That was the word. How do we open deaf ears today? Same thing. I put my fingers into the deaf ears and I said, be open. Or I said, be unstopped. And that's it. And they get open. Hearing comes by the word. And so, when you can hear, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Like you're listening now, faith is coming to you. Faith is coming to you. You know some people say, I don't know, I just don't have faith. My faith is so little. Faith comes by hearing. Fear also comes by hearing. Fear is faith in reverse. Fear is faith in your adversaries. Fear is faith in the power and the ability of adverse circumstances or enemies. You have faith in their ability to hurt you. That's fear. You hear a sound in the night. And you shake it. Why do you think that thing can destroy you? You have faith in their ability. You lost faith in your ability and in God's ability. You have faith in their ability. That's fear. Fear is faith in reverse. Faith against yourself. That's fear. So next time fear tries to attack you, reverse it. Have faith in your ability. Have faith in God's ability. Not in the ability of adversity or enemies. Say, I can do all things. Hallelujah. All right, where are we? Come on. In the silence, given all diligence, add to your faith, add to your faith, virtue. What does it mean virtue? Virtue. It means moral goodness. That means principle. 
It means living by principles. Set standards for yourself. That's what it's saying. You know some people have no principles. They just live. They just live every day without principles. God says, ah! Oh, okay. Maybe we should read the whole thing so you know why we're reading this and how it relates with the topic. Okay? You ready? Let's go. And beside this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, mm-hmm. and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they, not God, they, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. That's what persistent productivity. Glory to God. He says, add these seven virtues, add them to your faith, and your life will not be unproductive. Add them to your faith, and your life will not be barren. There will be no unfruitfulness in your life. Add these seven to your faith, and watch your life grow persistently. That means irrespective of the conditions. I just keep growing. Nothing stops me. I can't imagine not growing. It's inconsistent with my nature. I'm always making progress. I'm always moving forward. Makes no difference to me who the adversaries are. Makes no difference to me who the critics are. In fact, if you're not doing something serious, you don't... If you don't have critics, your life is small. You know, there are people who are afraid of criticism. They're so afraid. Listen, the more powerful your critics are, the more glorious your life really is. You never get angry with your critics. No, they're ignorant. That's the problem. If they knew the truth, they'll be with you. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, make your life worth criticizing. Very important. Very important. Very important. to bless. We hear words for life, words that point us in the right direction. You are watching Pastor Chris teaching. Seven virtues for persistent productivity. God doesn't want us to live unproductive lives. 
He wants us to be successful in everything. God has not called us to shame. God has not called us to pain. God has not called us to sickness. God has not called us to reproach. God has not called us to judgment. God has called us to glory and virtue. Seven virtues for persistent productivity. Very important, very important, very important. So, come on here. All right, we, we read it so we know where we're going now, okay? So let's go back to verse 5. He says, beside this, given all diligence, do this seriously. Painstaking efforts, all right? Diligence, diligence. Not something you do two hours and then you forget it. No, put some effort into it. Add to your faith. God's already given you faith through the word. You got faith from hearing the word. This is add to your faith virtue. Principles, moral goodness, moral excellence. Bring some excellence into your life. Have some Standards from the word of God. We're not talking about man-made standards, man-made principles. No, we're talking about God's word. From God's word. Lift the standard of your life from the word of God. For example, the Bible tells us that Jesus went to the house of God. It says he went to the synagogue as his custom was. It, says it was his custom to go there. Is that your custom? Some people go to church if they feel like it. And then if they don't feel like it, they don't go. No standards. Bible says as his custom was. It was customary for Jesus to go. He went to the house of God. It was his custom to do so. You've got to have that kind of life. That kind of principle. It's church time. I'm going. Not if, if, if I'll go if I'm not too tired. That means your life is just wrong according to your feelings. No, add, he says, moral goodness to your life. Standards, principles for living. Add that to your life. Principles. Don't just fall asleep. Anywhere they find you. Principles. Standards. Standards. That's what he's saying. Add that to your life. Add that to your life. Not accidental studying of the word of God. No. Decide you're going to be studying the, the word. You know. Set your targets. Study the word. So he says, add to your faith virtue. All right. And, and to virtue, knowledge. Now the word translated knowledge here is from the word, the Greek word gnosis. Which means is dealing with scientific knowledge. Knowledge that you gather from study. That's what he's talking about. Just from information. 
gain more information, learn more. See, learn more. Don't be ignorant. Have knowledge. Have knowledge. Like I'm sharing with you right now, you're gaining information. You're gaining knowledge. You can go back and study more. Then open your mind. Be more versatile. Because the word here is gnosis. It's not dealing here with revelation knowledge. Be more versatile. There's some people that just don't know nothing. All they know is what they, what they studied in school for exam. Mm -hmm. So, haven't done that. Learn a little about everything. Yeah. You get it? Yeah, learn a little about everything. Just open your mind to knowledge. Be informed. I'm not talking about news. So I, just, I, I want to know what's going on around me. You're, you're saturating your life with fear because all they've got to give you there is fear. Do you understand that if it doesn't, they, they call it something what's the news. If it's not what's the news, they won't take it. What is what's the news? You come and tell them, there was an accident on the highway. Is that news? Then you say, 10 people died. Uh-huh. That's news. <laughs> there was an accident. Nobody died. Everything's okay. Say, you, you, you have no news. Get out. <laughs> See? So, but if you saturate your life with all those kind of things, fear will be building up in your life. And you don't want that, do you? No. All right. Where's the verse? Keep the verse there. Keep it there. So he says, beside this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And the virtue, knowledge. Get some more knowledge. Learn something. Learn some more. Read, study. Don't be ignorant. God doesn't want you ignorant. All right. And to knowledge, temperance. What's temperance? The Greek is engratia. Engratia means holding yourself in. It means self-control. Self-control. Holding yourself in. You know restraint? Some people, they, 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 I mean, their hands are moving like, you just say something. <laughs> They're very fast. Have you seen that guy that's driving and then maybe somebody drives rough and they can't come out of the car? And if, they are, if their windows are wound up, then they do like this. <laughs> Say, your father. Can you imagine that? Because they can't get at you. They are so angry, so mad. So that... And you know what? You do this to that guy. He's angry because you did this to him. So, me? It's his fingers. Why are you bothered? Add to knowledge what? Temperance. God wants you to have self-control. 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 Temperance. Hold yourself in. Hold yourself in. Self-control. Don't say you don't have it. Listen. You're not, God is not expecting you to get these things from outside. No, they're in your spirit. 
What it's saying is, hey, pick them up. Pick them up. They're in within you. They're in your spirit. Activate them. When you're born again, you're born with these things inside you. Activate them. The abilities are in you. That's why I told you about knowledge. Knowledge is not just, I, I, I'm reading this and I'm reading that, I'm reading that. No. In reality, did you know that the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the embodiment of all wisdom and knowledge? Did you know that? Do you know how much information can come to you from meditation? Oh, what meditation has done for me. I could tell you lots and lots of things. Lots and lots of things. But not today. Not today. How much we have in the recesses of our spirits. How much we have inside us. You will be amazed. A world of knowledge and wisdom resides inside you. Glory to God. Alright, so add to knowledge, temperance, self-control, self-control. Oh, yeah. I'd like to give you a scripture in that one. Proverbs chapter 25. I want you to read verse 28. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a setting that is broken down. And without wars. I. She's got five children. And all five children belong to five different men. Think about it. She's got five boyfriends. She slept with every one of them. What's her problem? Self-control. Self-control. Everywhere he goes, he steals something. Self-control. He doesn't have it. He has no rule over his spirit. This is related to the first one. Where he's got to have principles. He's got no principles. Look at it. He that had no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. And back in those days, you know, they always built wars to defend their city. To have a city without wars meant anybody could just come in. What life? What life are you living? No self-control? You have principles in your life. You have self-control. Your tongue. Do you just use your mouth? So if I talk to you, my mouth, my mouth. They're even proud of it. They're proud that their mouth can pour out dirty words. Terrible words. So if I use my mouth for you, your mouth was not given to you for cursing. Your mouth was given to you to build your life. To build a future. And to build others. But when you don't know, 
You train yourself. Some people just, they just start studying bad words, terrible words, so they can use them against other people. Say, hmm, I found one. <laughs> what life do you want to live? Do you have rule over your spirit? Do you have control over your spirit? All right, next one. What's the next one? To knowledge, temperance, under temperance, patience. Patience? What's patience? What's patience? You know what? What's patience? Patience is simple. Everybody knows patience, right? So, what is patience? What is patience? What is it? What is it? You're adding, you're adding patience to temperance. You're adding patience to temperance, to self-control. So, what is patience? Endurance, enduring, trying circumstances with calmness, right? With an even temper, without getting angry, without annoyance, right? Yes, you can endure trying circumstances, whatever they may be, without getting frustrated. Patience. So he tells us, no, 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 I'm not a patient person at all. Don't try my patience. No, you are. It's in your spirit. That's what God is asking you to add it to your faith. Now that you've got faith, add patience to it. Learn the steadfast calmness of the spirit. Put it to work. Add it to your faith. You'll be amazed at the results. Glory to God. Hallelujah. See the things that God tells us to do. They are so simple. So simple. He never tells us to do difficult things. They're so simple. All right. The next one is what? Godliness. Look at it. This is patience. So what? Temperance. And to patience, godliness. What is godliness? Godliness is so simple. Um... Greek is usabia, but it, it just means piety. Piety. Glory to God. Reverence. You know what that is? Reverence. Some people are irreverent. No, God wants you to be reverent. Add some piety to your life. Christian has uh, an expression of reverence. Remember, you're always in the presence of God. Never forget that. You're always in the presence of God and in the presence of angels. See, I'm always in the presence of God. And in the presence of angels. So... I'm careful about my life. Now, careful there just means doing the right thing consciously. Okay? Consciously. Have some piety. Not only when you come to church. Have some people who are just rough. In Christianity, you, you start building a character. 
It's a building a life. There are just some things you don't do anymore, not because they are bad, but because they are not excellent. Do you get it? You stop doing them because they're not excellent. You bring excellence into your life. Hallelujah. All right. Then the sixth one is what? Is this unto godliness? Brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. Ah. Brotherly kindness. What is brotherly kindness? Fraternal affection. You're dealing with learning to be helpful in a brotherly way, like you're helping your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Kind-heartedness. How many of you are kind? Let me see your hand. Are you kind? Say it again. Are you kind? Do those around you think you're kind? Do you know anybody who thinks you're not really kind? Did you say yes? Yes, sometimes there are some people who may think you're not kind, but were you really kind to them or you were not? Practice kindness. Practice it. It will not come by itself. You've got to practice it. These things he's telling you to add, he's actually saying practice them. Put them to work. Put them to work. If you will put them to work, there are other things that these will cause to happen. For example, he says, oh, we'll conclude it with you, you'll see it. To brotherly kindness, what do you add? The word is the Greek agape. It actually means love. So, in uh, most of the other translations outside of King James, they'll translate it uh, love. Charity, love. That's number seven. Did you notice? So, what are they? Number one? Number two? Number three? Number four? Number five, number six, and number seven. And the Bible tells us in verse eight, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Now, did you notice in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? That's the word epignosis again. By the way, I want to read it from the New International Version. Can, can we have it in the NIV? So, read it again. Want to go. Hallelujah. I want you to read it one more time. Let me tell you something. It was uh, somewhere between 1980-1981. I was studying the Bible and I came across this verse. 
I was so inspired. I knew I had it made. I said, this means I'll always be productive. I just knew I'll be a success. I was reading the Bible, I came across this. So I went and I studied all those things that he said to add. That's years ago. And for several months, I will be studying this. Reading it, reading it again and again. That's what I told from 1980 to 1981. This portion of the Bible meant so much to me. By the way, that's how many years ago? Calculate it. How many years? Again? 36 years ago. That's amazing. So I studied this, and I knew I was going to be very successful. Look at it. It's simple. It's God's word. Look at it. It says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you. And I made up my mind. I was going to have them in increasing measure. In other words, I was going to continue and grow in them. He says, they, not God, they, these seven things, will keep you from being ineffective. They will keep you from being ineffective. And unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, in my studying about Jesus, in my relating with Jesus, because I'm putting these things to work, it's impossible for me to be unproductive or to be unfruitful. Make your life a practical life. Are you hearing me? Put this to work. You'll be amazed. The next five years, the level at which you'll be doing things will be far, far beyond what you're doing now. You just keep growing. Just keep adding. Five years time, I'm going to be much bigger than I am today. I'll always grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Not, I'm not talking about my physical body. No. I'm talking about in my influence. I'm talking about in everything that concerns me. You've got to have dominion for the gospel. Are you hearing me? Be successful for the gospel. Hallelujah. Hello, school leaders. This is Ula Mike Bendu and... This is the podcast on leadership for high-performance teams. I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to begin with defining high-performance team. Cousin Birch and Smith defined high-performance team or refers to High-performance teams as to teams that are highly focused and achieve exceptional results. 
they outperform not only expectations, but they also other equivalent teams, high performance teams and their team members have certain characteristics. One, the individuals in these teams have specific roles and complementary skills that are aligned and dedicated to a common vision. High performance teams have high level of collaboration and innovation and they repeatedly produce exceptional results. A high performance team takes full responsibility for its success and generates commitments among team members. This type of team has a clear vision and a set-up framework that inspires individuals to give their best. High-performance team members are excited about their vision. They have a clear plan of how to achieve it with clearly defined priorities. High-performance teams typically have a clear focus and intense energy coupled with a strong sense of accountability for achieving their goals. Um, all of these characteristics I've just mentioned now are what Cousin Bush and Smith outlined as characteristics that makes a high performance theme. Now, we're going to narrow it down to at schools and I want to to talk about what kind of team members do we have in our schools because if we're gonna make a difference as school leaders then we have to consider the kind of team members we have and we can only do that by critically and reflectively evaluating the kind of team members we have. Then after the evaluation, we'll begin to know how to categorize them. Do these people fit into the characteristics that Smith et al. mentioned or outlined? Do these team members, do they have the people in our team, do they have specific roles and complementary skills that are aligned to the school vision? Do these team members we have in our schools, do they have high level of collaboration 
and innovation? Do they repeatedly produce results? Do these team members take responsibility for their own success? For example, each team member has an objective of what is expected of them. Do they take responsibility to achieving those objectives or do you need to push them around to be able to get them to certain things? Do our team members we have in our team, do they have a clear vision of what the school setup is? Do they know what the school vision is? Is there a framework that inspires individuals to give their best off? Are these team members excited about the vision? Is there a clear plan on how to achieve it with clearly defined priorities? The individuals we have in our teams, are they highly skilled? What, what are their competences? And by competences, I mean what behaviors do they have? I'm not talking about the technical aspect of competency. I'm talking about the behavioral aspect of competency skills. Do they have it? Do they have a clear focus and intense energy coupled with a strong sense of accountability for achieving the goal? This is just the first series of this podcast. And for what I've outlined now, I'm going to leave you to think through it. Because for us as leaders to be able to lead a high performing team, we first of all need to evaluate reflectively on the kind of people, the kind of team members we have in our team. And if these team members are not high performance team members, what do we as leaders need to do to be able to get them to the level we aspire? Secondly, I'm going to talk about the four building blocks of high performance team. It's a model by GRPI model. And it's um, like a taxonomy for high performance. So you have the goals, the roles, the processes, the interpersonal relationships. Now for the aspect of the goals, there has to be a collective vision, aligned objectives, reliable strategy for roles clearly defined roles accountabilities 
clear boundaries. Then we'll move on to the processes. Remember, it's like a taxonomy. You have the goals, you have the roles, you have the processes. And in the processes, we, we are expected to have um, effective processes that support decision-making, processes that help us to plan and resource, processes for conflict resolution, processes for communication. Then the last is the interpersonal relationship. We have a um, positive and supportive environment, cooperative team behaviors, openness and honesty, openness, honesty, and trust, innovative and risk-taking. This is the GPR model for effective team. And I have just outlined the four components in the model. And in the next episode, I will be unpicking and unpacking them one after the other. So for today, I hope you enjoy this few minutes podcast. Do send me your feedback or questions or whatever it is. Maybe you need more clarity on the ones I've mentioned. And I also urge you to look forward to the next episode coming soon. Thank you and bye-bye.